Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to read over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, check out the link to my other podcast. It's called Around the World in 80s Movies, where I look back at the decade of the 1980s and the films within it. I do one film each episode, looking at the trivia, the history, and all of my personal thoughts on the films of the 1980s. You can check that out. Find the link to my website, Around the World in 80s Movies is the name. Go to quipster.net for the details. Today, I'm going to be looking at a film that is a murder mystery of a sort. It is called Knives Out. It is a PG-13 rated film. It does have thematic elements that include brief violence, some strong language, sexual references, and drug material. The runtime is two hours and 10 minutes. The cast includes Anna de Armas, Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Don Johnson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Tony Collette, Michael Shannon, and Christopher Plummer. The director and the screenwriter is Ryan Johnson. If you've heard that name before, you know that Ryan Johnson's kind of a, a genre-hopping writer-director. He's done neo-noir, a teen flick back in 2005 called Brick, a family crime dramedy of sorts in The Brothers Bloom, a twisty time travel science fiction excursion in Looper, and I guess most famously, if you follow Ryan Johnson's career, he also ushered in the most divisive of the Star Wars films ever to come out. That one was The Last Jedi, which... Love it or hate it, it did explore dimensions of the franchise that few else would have explored. A lifelong lover of Agatha Christie novels, Ryan Johnson, he's writing and directing this. He's, it's a passion project for him. He originally conceived of the idea for Knives Out after making Brick, but he had to wait until he had enough clout in the industry to be able to pull it off. And the result is an old-fashioned star-studded murder mystery with all of the humor and the cleverness and the panache that you've come to expect from this chance-taking writer and director. Now, it's set somewhere in New England. The shoot primarily took place in Massachusetts, so I suppose it could be there. The plot involves the death of the patriarch of the Thromby family. His name is Harlan, played by Christopher Plummer. Harlan's a wildly successful mystery novelist, and he's amassed a small fortune in running his own publishing company for his and other books. While initially uh, Harlan's death was thought to be a suicide, there are several guests at Harlan's 85th birthday who acted quite suspiciously before his death. That kind of leaves open the possibility of potential foul play there. Along with the police, there is an unknown person who ends up hiring this famous detective named Benoit Blanc, played by Daniel Craig, to check into the matter beyond the standard police questioning. Now, our main conduit into the overall story, however, is not Christopher Plummer, but it is Anna Darmas who plays Marta, who is Harlan's nurse. She has a kind of a strange affliction of her own. She will toss her cookies. She <laughs> vomits whenever she lies, and that makes her an instant way to vet the truth for Blanc, provided that she knows what the truth is. Now, with Marta by his side... Benoit Blanc ends up finding that there may be more to this suicide than he initially thought, although the hows and whys of what occurred remain elusive. A lot more to the story than that, but I'm not going to get into the spoilers because part of the fun is trying to figure things out for yourself. As with most ensemble murder mysteries, just about everyone's a suspect, all of whom are shown to have motives early on as to why the suicide may not be a murder. 
As a mystery, though, maybe it doesn't really give enough clues throughout the course of the movie to properly give audiences a decent chance to put it all together before big reveals end up occurring later. Some of those reveals also may be a little bit predictable, even when the limited pieces start getting doled out. However, Knives Out still does manage to arrest the attention as these reveals come out. Nonetheless, Ryan Johnson here making a conscious decision to let the audience off the hook in the second act and sit back and enjoy the ride the rest of the way. He doesn't really worry about feeling like we in the audience need to look at the minutiae to try to figure out the real culprit. We aren't really given enough pieces to this very convoluted puzzle to try to see the full picture, at least until the end. So we can sit back, we can enjoy the characters, we can enjoy the peculiar world that they inhabit as spectators rather than participants. And if the film works, it's due to the Hitchcockian plotline where we end up caring more about the central character of Marta and in seeing if she can prevail in the end, who did the deed and why is a bit of a secondary concern to the potential payoff after coming to know and care for her and other certain characters. Now, for inspiration, Ryan Johnson here is drawing from a host of classic film whodunits. He starts by pulling in a sizable star-studded cast entirely in keeping with many of the Agatha Christie flicks that were so popular in the 1960s all the way through the 1980s. The mystery genre ended up changing in the mid-1980s toward television shows. It became a staple there. And that seemed to dry up demand for seeing it on the big screen when you could see it every week in your own home. Those character-driven films that did come out, though, had a sense of fun, of adventure, and of humor without becoming self-parody, and which is kind of what Ryan Johnson's film attempts to do to capture for the modern audiences. 2017's Murder on the Orient Express, the Kenneth Branagh film, showed that the genre still had legs. It actually raked up quite a few dollars, $350 million worldwide, so perhaps the time is right for a resurgence into theaters. Agatha Christie is not the only inspiration for Knives Out. Harlan Thrombey's Many Mannequins Around His House evoked memories of the 1970s version of Sleuth, as well as the tricky interior designs of that house, complete with secret entrances and hidden staircases. Well, Murder, She Wrote appears briefly on a television screen as an homage. Even a famous mystery board game gets a nod. One of the characters calls the Thrombey Mansion as designed like a clue board. Now, even within the confines of an old-fashioned mystery yarn, Knives Out is a very modern film in some respects. Most whodunits tend to be period pieces because they're adaptations of older novels, so they tend to set the film at the time that it is written. But the themes here seemingly are ripped from today's headlines. Coming out on Thanksgiving weekend, it's kind of the thing that will spark another political argument that most dysfunctional families probably dread at their gatherings between the progressive side and those who are true believers in the current president's agenda. The main unexpected through line comes from the notions of immigration and class, especially in Trump's America, and that puts Marta as the daughter of an undocumented immigrant and allows her to become a potential black male victim sometime later. Children of wealth in this film, they feel entitled despite never having worked an honest job in their lives. They want to close the gate of opportunity to others once they are inside. These lazy elites view immigrants in their employ as of a lesser class. They are undeserving of wealth despite working hard all of their lives and being called one of the family by them. They tend to be inclusive in a certain respect as long as uh, she's still in her place. If there's one thing that we learn by the end of the film, it's that the corruption of one's character is as likely to occur among the rich and the privileged than it is among the poor and penniless. Harlan here is shown as disappointed that the wealth that he's amassed has made his children and their spouses and their offspring 
something somewhat contemptible. Their status has not only made them dependent on him for their continued luxury, but it's a luxury that they feel they deserve for being born or having married into wealth and privilege alone. They have no compulsion on lying or cheating or stealing or maybe even murdering to get what they feel they're entitled to due to their inherited social status. The mystery genre, I suppose, in general, lends to such dichotomies. You have affluent families and their staff, their you know, butlers and maids and whatnot. They're usually part of many murder mysteries, all part of the reasons why a murder might take place. Those who want to keep their money or who want to acquire other people's money is usually the main goal. But so long as the hired help knows their place in the social structure, they're accepted by the family. But once that barrier ceases to exist, in other words, once the playing field of opportunity is genuinely even, that's when the tempers among polite, well-to-do society gets raised. So this is a film that delves into these political things. It's not the main thrust of the film, but it is there. It may bother you. It may actually enhance the experience for you. I just want to mention it out there that this is what it contains for those people who might be expecting it. So getting back to the actors here, the English actor Daniel Craig, he might seem at first to be an odd choice to play the Southern gent who just happens to be one of the country's most well-known detectives. He's done Southern accents before, most notably in Steven Soderbergh's Logan Lucky recently, where he seemed to enjoy spreading out his acting wings still. Here, Craig is entirely in his element as a character actor instead of a hunky leading man, but few people saw Logan Lucky in the theater, so this is kind of his second chance to show the world that he is an outstanding actor with a lot of range to play character-based comedy when he wants to. The southern drawl does give him contrast to the family, makes him a fish out of water instantly, but one who can observe them with an outsider's eye that is critical into trying to figure out who might be in the right or wrong. You gather that he might enjoy playing this particular role another time or two on the big screen now that he's grown weary of playing James Bond into his 50s, although he has one more James Bond coming out. Now, once Ryan Johnson secured Daniel Craig for the role, the rest of the cast kind of fell into place. Many other actors wanted to work with Craig, especially with this juicy premise and a capable director in Ryan Johnson at the helm. Johnson wanted not only known actors for the roles, but ones that are so good at characters that you are instantly engaged and intrigued by them, despite none of them getting a lot of screen time. The one giving less of a caricature is the main protagonist and the last person to see Harlan alive, Marta. Anna Darmas playing things mostly straight, with normalcy to contrast the snooty, well-to-do, eccentric types around her. Although inside the house and embraced somewhat by the family, Marta is, like Benoit, a fish out of water. She may be physically present among the family, but there remains that social barrier between them that keeps her also on the outside looking in, even when she's inside the house among them. After a slow start, Ryan Johnson's film, it does grow increasingly absorbing once you get the introductions to the family out of the way, and people do begin to get implicated in the potential murder, and it ups the intrigue. The generated tension is definitely enough to be forgiving of the somewhat lengthy narrative and a climax of reveals that seems to go on quite a bit longer than you may be accustomed to seeing in a murder mystery, especially one that actually does not hinge on you solving the mystery before the end. you probably not going to be able to do that. I guess it's ironic that as a whodunit, it's not going to offer much in terms of surprises, but as a suspense vehicle, there's more than enough to keep eyes riveted into how things are going to unravel for this kooky cast of characters. They're all played with impeccable gusto by a terrific ensemble of actors. If this sounds like it might be up your alley, I think you should take a stab 
at seeing Knives Out. So it's a close call for me. I could give it three or three and a half stars, but my rule of thumb when it comes to films on that borderline is to give it the lowest of the two grades on a first-time watch. So I will give it three stars out of four. If I see it again and I like it as much or more, if I notice a little bit more than I might have the first time out, I might kick it up to that three and a half. But for now, three stars is what I give it, and three stars on my scale means that I do think that this is a worthwhile entertainment for those people who like this kind of movie. If you're a big fan of old-fashioned type murder mysteries and you're a big fan of the actors that are in this film, I think it gives a lot of them a lot of fun and memorable scenes to be able to make fun for you in the audience. It is a fun diversion and definitely one I would recommend for people who like this genre of film. So three stars out of four for Knives Out. If you have your own thoughts on Knives Out and you want to impart them to me, you can find my contact information at my website. That's at quipster.net. You can also go there for links to my Twitter feed, my Facebook page, my Instagram. All of those are also adequate ways of getting in touch with me. That's at quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Until next time, thanks everyone, and please enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies. <laughs>